0: Pray with me. God, this is going to be a good year. This is going to be one of our best years ever. Not because we're going into a real good situation nationally or in the world, not because we finally figured it out, but because we're coming back to you and you're good. So, Father, as we come back to you, send your Holy Spirit right now and help us to understand this word in a way that we look a whole lot more like Jesus and we can be a part of the blessing of this world. We pray this in his name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as the the worship team is is, uh, filtering off, Lori, I want that whaling part next time I'm not song. Just just hand me a microphone. I just... (laughs) I can't sing a lick. I, it's a joke. Um, uh, let me tell you something. Next week, I know this week a lot of you uh, got for Christmas like electrical stuff. And, and, and good for you. Um, and I know some of the, uh, that makes some of the other electrical stuff you had obsolete. And you're going, mm, what do I do with this other electrical stuff? Well, our first song was This Is My Father's World. And one of the ways that you prize the Father is to take care of his world. And so we don't want the electrical stuff to go into the landfills and, and be pollution. So if you'll bring them here next week, we will make sure that they either get fixed up and reused for uh, other... If you've got, like, uh, computers, we can get those to school kids. We, we've, got, we've got the means to, to rework them and get them to school kids. Uh, PDAs, I, don't, I have no idea what that is, even is, but... Um, um, Game Boys, have no idea what that is either. It's just on the list. Actually, on, on page three, it's what we can use and what we will recycle. Now, here's, here's the deal. We can't, unfortunately, if you got one of those big flat screen, take up the whole, we can't do TVs. We don't, have, we don't, I don't know what to do with those. Uh, but everything else that you see on page three, bring here next week so that we can uh, recycle and uh, be good stewards of God's earth. Um, Hey, got some more uh, Christine and Edward in Germany and Torsten, and Marie in Spain, and Dibby and Danny in Spain, and um, great to see you guys. Uh, glad to have you here. Okay, um, how about if I preach? Right? That's what I, that's, I'm just wondering, why are you up here? Oh, well, I, I got a sermon. Uh, and, and, and I got to tell you, this sermon hasn't gone right yet, so maybe you'll be the lucky winners and get the one that really goes right. Here's, here's where we are. We're starting this new year. Uh, thanks for being here. This is a great way to start the new year. Great way to end it, too. Um, we are in, and now this is a, rather presumptuous of me, because last year we started another 10-year series. <clears throat> um, I, I said it's a 10-year series just because I figured it's job security. and <laughs> now. <clears throat> Uh, We we figured this out. The series is on, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what that means is, the reason Jesus taught us to pray that is because we are the venues by which heaven comes to earth, by which the earth looks a whole lot more like heaven. In other words, when you walk in a room, when when any of you walk in a room, people ought to think, boy, heaven just got here. A little bit of heaven just got here. Now, if they're not thinking that right now, that means we need some training in this. And that should take about nine years, I figure. Um, And so that's why we'd we'd really like to walk through this together. Now, let me tell you what this year is going to be. We take every year um, a different theme. And this year is what the uh, theologians would call the apologetics year. Uh, Apologetics is a theological term which means the rational explanation and defense of the faith. We call it the applied apologetics year, which means you explain your faith through your life. So in other words, I'm going to to start here in just a minute. Um, we, we, We want to make sure that everybody not only knows the essentials of their faith so that they can explain it to everyone, including their kids and grandkids, but people see those essentials in the way they live. Because that's the real witness of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you where we're beginning. We're beginning at the very beginning. How do we know there's a God? Let's just, let's just tackle the big one. And then next week, we're going to um, um, the Bible as our authority. So be sure and bring your Bibles if you forgot them this week. If you, if you remembered your Bibles this week, turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Romans 1, verse 20. And, and, and you know what, if you're new at this, if this is just out of the blocks and you haven't really used this before, it's okay to turn to the index here, get a page number. It really is. Don't ever want you to be embarrassed about, it. I don't know where that is. It's okay. You're, you're safe here. But if you can turn to Romans chapter one, verse 20, let me show you something that God has done for us. Because one of the things that God wants for all the world to see, the non-believing world, is objective evidence. And, 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 and so this is what it says in Romans. Uh, let's start with Romans 119. It says, it's talking about the righteousness of God, which, which is that which is known about God is evident. Watch these words. Within them. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through that which has been made so that they are without excuse. Now, I want you to see this. God put in the world, in the physical world, pictures of his attributes. As a matter of fact, here's what I want you to do. Here's your homework this week. If you have a a pencil... Take a pencil out and write down, if you if you got your Bible with you, write down any space where, where at the end of that verse 20, write this down, okay, just a single word with a question mark. Where? Write down, where? Now what that means is, it's, that's going to drive you to look around and say, where are God's evidence att- uh, uh, attributes evident? And here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to go out into the world and I want you to see something or someone who reminds you of God. And this, is what, and this is what I want you to say. This reminds me of God because. See, if we can get used to looking at the world as a window to God, we will be able to start seeing God everywhere and name his attributes at the same time. This person reminds me of God because they are so loving. This, this bird reminds me of God because, because he's so graceful. I, you know, so on and so forth. Graceful, it's a little pun, a little theological pun. But, but just write it down and get used to that exercise. Now, here's, here's what's very important to note. The thing that God has done in all creation is he has planted not only outside of us but within us reasonable proofs of, of his existence. Now, God never proves himself by reason or we wouldn't need faith. So you can't reason your way to God. It requires faith. But if you look around, there's at least as many reasons to believe in God as there are not to believe in God. Let me give you, for example, just a few of the traditional um, um, arguments for the existence of God. Can I do that? Some of you are going to feel like you're back in seminary because you went to seminary. But here's the first one. The ontological argument for the existence of God. This is what it reads. This is what it says. Put it up. It says, God is that than which no greater can be conceived. Now, if you define God as the greatest there is, which would be God, because if you get something greater, then that would be God. God is that than which no greater can be conceived, then logically... Because existence is greater than non-existence, existing in reality is greater than existing merely in concept, the logical conclusion, therefore God exists in reality. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Put the next one up. I've got to race through these because I really want to get through the end here. Is this is the cosmological argument for the existence of God. For years, people have known that in order to have something, you have to have a beginning. You have to have a cause. Um the 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 the, um, the the Latin is ex nihilo nihil fit. From nothing, nothing comes. You can't you can't just there's there's not there has to be something that causes everything or it wouldn't exist, and that cause must be at least as as big as it is as as a as thing that exists. So that's what it says. Nothing comes from nothing. There was a first cause. God must therefore be the original cause all created, of all created things. Cosmos means, by the, by, the, by the way, the whole world or the whole known universe. Uh, the, the Bible says, God so loved the world. That's the, world the word there, world there is cosmos. Um, and their existence come from him. Um, now, there, for, for a long time, people, people just thought that... that um, well, the universe had always been, it just had always been around. But now, more of late in the last few decades, science has uncovered the evidence that there was a beginning, which really matches what the Bible says in the first few words. In the beginning, God created. That's, that's what the Bible says. And so now it matches perfectly with the Big Bang. Okay, boom, there was a beginning. But did that just boom, like coming out of nowhere? Was that just spontaneous? No. The, the science says, common sense says, it had a cause. And the cause was God. Go to the next one. This is my favorite one. The teleological argument for the existence of God. Teleos is, is the Greek word for purpose. Something made with a purpose. Or made by design. It's designed to fit. And this is what this says. The complexity of the universe could not have come about by, by accident in random mutation. If you find a watch in the desert, it's pretty safe to assume there was a watchmaker. Let me go through this little exercise with you. Just just you know, say you're just walking in the desert and you and you stoop down and there's a watch. Now you've got basically two choices if you go, I wonder where this came from. One choice is, and you can you can think of this if you like. Well, over millions and billions of years, somehow the elements, the sand, came together and, and they formed this perfect silver saucer and it just sat there until through millions and billions of years there was another there were, there were like little metal filaments that formed themselves into like springs and, 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 and then gnawed at one another and got teeth and they got cogs that went together and they all blew here and fell in that little saucer And then, millions and billions of years, there was this, like, this white oval thing that was just, just exactly the same size as the saucer. And it just came rolling up, kind of went around and fell on the saucer. And then millions and billions of years later, there was this like, like storm of ink. And, and, and the drops just... Fell just right to form several distinctly, perfectly proportional Roman numerals, one through twelve, all around this saucer, you know. And then, through millions and billions of years, there was this stem that just took a run at the saucer and dove in the saucer and kind of wound itself up, you know. And then, the pièce de résistance, the the the, the There was this glass that got formed, somebody like this sunspot cooked some sand and it got clear and it it just landed. Now you could, you could think that. (laughs) Or you could say, hmm, watch, there must be a watchmaker. Now you tell me which takes more faith. I've read a book right now by Norman Geisler says, I haven't got enough faith to be an atheist. You know, because you've, you've really got to go out there to think that something as, as complex as what has been produced can come about unguided, undesigned, uncreated. And, and, and frankly, you can, you can do your best job of Genesis chapter 1. But the point is, if it is, God created it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Last one we'll deal with today. I had way too much fun with that and took too much time. So this will be just straight up. The moral argument for the existence of God is that there's a universal, this, this is strength, there's a universal objective recognition of morality and it presumes a moral creator. Now think, for this, think about this for a minute. When your kids are growing up, how often do you hear this? That's not fair. Where do they get the concept of fairness? Some of your kids go, that's not right. Where do they get that concept? As a matter of fact, when people object, to the existence, I don't believe in God. Well, why don't you believe in God? If there were so, if, 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 if there's so much suffering in the world, there's so much injustice in the world, there's so much that's wrong with the world, if there were a God, then that wouldn't be. The question is, who says there's injustice? Who says there's right and wrong? Where do you get that from? See, the moral Just God puts that innately into it. There is not a civilization on the face of the earth that does not have a sense of morality, an objective sense of right and wrong. Where does that come from? You don't know what's crooked unless you've got some idea of what's straight. What does the idea of what's straight come from? You just gotta ask yourself. So even the arguments against God are arguments for God. So this is what God wants. He says, I've given you objective evidence, and and I want you to understand that, that as you interpret the world, you will see evidences of me because I've planted it all around, and I want you to understand that. However, the greatest possible objective evidence does not come from our mind, does not come from our interpretation of creation it comes from people see it says this in John chapter 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and all things w- were created through him without him nothing was created that was created and in him was life and life that life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it now in that in that that word for word there is logos and to the greeks logos was the organizing principle of the universe it was the greatest possible and people talk about self-organization today that's logos it says it's it's the it's the thing that organized everything and made it run precisely so it was the greatest intellectual concept there was. And a little bit later, in that same chapter, it says this And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The greatest possible argument for the existence of God is you. The greatest possible argument for the existence of God is God walking around in the flesh, which he can do now because Jesus inhabits us. And so when Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses, that's what he's talking about. You shall be my arguments for the existence of God. When people look at you, they ought to say, hmm, I'm thinking I'm believing in God, because look at that. And so let's talk about how that happens. Just for a second, let's talk about how the witness to non-believers in this world is so powerful, not just because of what we do. I mean, it's, it's, it's important what we do. And I'm going to tell you just a little bit later how important it is that we serve, because that's what Jesus did. He said, I didn't come to be served, I come to serve. That's what he did. That's his life. That's his life in us. But it's not just that. There's, there's an article this week in, uh, in the uh, Times, uh, a UK um, publication by Matthew Paris. Isaac sent me a link, and I read this thing, and the title was, Africa Needs God. And I thought, well, that's all right. The problem, as I read it, the surprise, as I read this, was it was being written by an avowed atheist. Now think about this. Here is an avowed the Matthew said. This is a, he. he kind of says in this article, "I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed about this. Got to tell you, because it's it's going against everything that I believe or don't believe or how are you to put that." But he said, "I was raised in Malawi, and he said, I remember I remember the Christian missionaries.' But but then I came to live in England and 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 but I've been back to Malawi, and and Malawi's kind of I get a sense from the article it's kind of his home country." And he said, I believe the greatest possible resource for Africa are Christians' missionaries, not just Christian do-gooders, people who spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking, what's he doing here? And he said, I have seen... All kinds of of NGOs, uh, non-governmental organizations, doing aid work, international aid organizations, um, charities, all of this kind of stuff. None of them do. For people, what happens when people get converted to Jesus Christ? He said, when that happens... Not just their circumstances change a little bit, their whole life changes. Their heart changes. They are transformed. They become different people. He said, I've seen this with my own eyes. And it's not people who are walking around going, oh, now I've got to do this because God said to do it. It's not people walking around bowed down. It's people with hope. It's people who have a sense of dignity. It's people who have joy. It's people who look you in the eye and they'll, they'll take authority. He said people are set free by Jesus Christ. By the way, I don't think this guy's a real long-time fit for the atheist world. <laughs> but, but the point was this. This is an atheist. And he kept saying, this is... I know this is weird, but I want to tell you what I've seen in the lives of people. And I want to tell you what Jesus Christ does. It was the most phenomenal thing. Well, that'd be us, right? Someday. I mean, people who are hopeful, who are joyful, who are there to serve. People who are not caught up in all of our problems and and all of our arguments and all of our shortcomings. We've been set free from our sin. We've been set free from being the center of the universe. We've been set free from from discouragement. I mean, we've been set free from all of this stuff. We are the main arguments. And when you think, okay, so how does that happen? Well, this, this is important. In order to become that person, we have to understand what we're committing to here. Um, it was John Peterson uh, that, that wrote a book a long time ago, a couple decades ago, called Living Proof. I love that. I love that uh, title. Living Proof. And he was talking about having a relationship with, with God. Because that's what theology is for. We're going to be talking about theology all year long. But theology isn't so that you can have more religious concepts in your head. Theology isn't so that you can build up revelatory knowledge and know more about God than someone else. It doesn't do to know about God. Satan knows about God. He's still Satan. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't matter how much you know. The point is theology is having the correct information about someone so that you can love them for who they are and how they want to be loved. That's, that's what it is. I mean, in this book, he says, well, you remember when you were dating, you know, and you were look, kind of looking for a spouse? He said there were basically three ingredients in, in having that long-term, that led to that long-term relationship. First, he said, you had to be attracted to one another. He said, let's be honest. There, there's an emotional component. And so and so you just, you know, you know, you don't Mary go, well, it's not like the old pioneer days, you know. These days, you kinda have to be attracted. The old the old days, you know, go, oh, she looks sturdy and of childbearing capability, you know? Not like the pioneer days. Now you kinda gotta be a little attracted, see? And 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 so that's that's how you date. You just go, oh wow. Some just go, oh you just all mooly. Mole-eyed. Well, that's, that's great. But some of you have gotten married right at that stage. N- not as short-sighted. You're married now. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but he said, that's not enough to really plan for a good long relationship. He said, there's a second, there's a second aspect. And that is, you've got to figure out if you're a fit. If you, if you, okay, she has these qualities, I have these qualities, you know, is that a fit? You know, are we going to encourage one another? Are we going to complete one another? We're going to, are we going to, you know, be better together and be stronger together and be, you know, you know so on and so forth, you know? You've got to think these things through. I mean, and realistically, we have a, we have a by the way, we have a, uh, um, a premarital course. If you want to get married at and you've got to go through this course. 13 weeks. And, I, and a lot of people are going to go, oh, but I love him. You know, and they're just in la-la land. And it's really cool. I mean, I, I, I like la-la land, but, but they kind of shake you out of it. You know, they say, stop that. You got to think this thing through here. And they, and they, and they couple you up with a, with a couple who's been married for 30 years, you know. And they can tell you what's up, you know. This is going to go, got to tell you. You know, don't count on this one. So it's, you know, you've got to have, there's got to be an intellectual uh, realism. And, and, and the same thing with God. If you're going to build a real relationship with God, you got to know who He is and what He demands. And you can't make up your own God. Just like you can't make up your own spouse. I thought you were this. You know? You can think, you can think all you want. They are who they are. You know? What did God say about Himself? I am who I am. You can make up a, you can make up a fake God that'll let you do anything you want. That ain't me. I don't know who that is, but that ain't me. So, theology... Tells you who God is. Now, watch. Here's the third one, and this is the most important one. You've got to be willing to lay down your life for that relationship. You are not ready to have a relationship with God or with another person who will be your spouse, who will be your new identity, until you say, I will lay my life down for that person. And if it comes between my happiness and their happiness, my happiness goes because I want their fulfillment. That's an act of the will. So when we talk about what it takes to be a witness in the world, that's what people want. You know, people love to see a marriage of two people who still love each other after 50 years, who have, they know they've been, my grandparents, I don't know how they didn't kill one another. I literally don't. They were so different. I don't know how they didn't kill one another. But after 50 years, man, I wanted what they had. Same thing with a Christian who's walked with God all these years and, and, and thought what, what, would, what would glorify God. The world will beat a path to, your door, beat a path to his door. All right, now, the last one. I'm so late. I'm so sorry. But I got to tell you this. This is good. This is, turn, turn with me to um, um, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. You got your Bibles, turn it there. I'm going to have you writing your Bibles again. Mark chapter 12. By the way, while you're turning there, that last stage, I heard it, heard from Marilyn Adamson one time uh, talked about when she, she gave her life to God and she, she had resisted him for so long. And, uh, and she, she, she opened her, her um, um, salvation prayer with these words, okay, you win. I think those are the coolest words and it wouldn't be a bad idea for all of us, all of us to open every prayer to God with okay, you win because it reminds us who we're about. Okay, now, how do we do all this? Here's what we're going to do for the next nine years. We're going to focus on Jesus. That I, I've told you before, Christianity is Christ. So this is a very Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So in a way it's very simple. Very simple. I forget who it who was that was writing on a plane. Oh, Robert Weber. Uh, Reggie uh, has talked with Robert Weber. He's, he's since gone to be with the Lord. But Robert Weber said he was, he was riding on a plane with a guy one time. And, and noticed the guy had some religious material out. And Robert, I think, was reading the Bible. And, and so they started talking religion. And, and, and Robert, I mean, it was, he was really genuinely interested. And he said, well, dis, can you describe your religion in a word to me? And the guy turned to him and said, yeah, I think I can. He said, you know, in a sentence. He said, yeah, I think I can. And uh, he said, we're all part of the problem, and we're all part of the solution. And, and Robert said, well, that, that's very helpful. Thank you. And then he said, could I describe my faith to you in a sentence? And the guy goes, sure. And Robert started out like this. We're all part of the problem, and there is one man who is the solution, and his name is Jesus Christ. Now that is, that's where we're going for the next nine years. And let me tell you how we're going to get there. If you have your Bibles open to Mark chapter 12. Let me open my Bible to Mark chapter 12. It says this. This is the great commandment. And I want you to listen with New York ears because I'm hurrying here and I'm already late. But I want you to listen. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want to concentrate on those, and I want to repeat what Pastor Kevin told us at the beginning here, and what you see on page four, I think it is, of your newspaper. We have a process here, and we're going to be working on these three verbs, three verbs in various orders for the next nine years until so we, we have them so deep into our character that they just naturally come to us. The verbs are believe, belong, become, and be sent. Those are the verbs. Now let me show you what it says in here. If you've got a pencil, take it out. It says, You shall love the Lord with all your heart. This, this Greek word is kardius. You know, we get the word cardio from it. And, and it has, it's the seat of feelings, and it means you have a relationship, you have an emotional bond, and so you feel like you belong. And one of the one of the ways to love God is to belong to Him, and to belong to other people who belong to Him. You can't do this thing on your own. This is not a self-study. Get, get a degree. We need each other. And so one of the things we want to teach each other is how to belong. How to belong to our families, how to belong to the church, how to belong to people. Because that's part of belonging to God. Number two, it says, with all your soul. Souches is, is, the, is, the, is the Greek word, and it means who you are. Your soul was the concept of this is your identity. This never changes. It lasts into eternity. It's who you are. And so when you became a Christian, you switched out your identity for the identity of Jesus Christ. It's no longer I who live, Paul wrote, but he who, Christ who lives in me. That's who I am. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, that takes some putting off the old man, it says in, 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 in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17, I think it is, um, if any man be in Christ, he's is the new creature. The old has passed away, the new has come. It takes a while to kind of get rid of the old because the old's always following you around, you know? That's who you're used to being. And so you literally become Jesus Christ. It says these words in, in the Bible. It says, it says, put off the old man, put on the new man. That's a matter of of A process of discipline will teach you how to do this. We are most powerful because we have become Jesus to someone else. That's who Matthew Paris was seeing in Africa. Somebody that had become Jesus to someone else. And then the last is all your strength. And it means this oh, I'm sorry, mind. All your mind. Uh, uh, Dianois is is the Greek, and and it means not just what you believe intellectually. I told you intellectual knowledge is, is good but it's moderate, moderate uh, uh, benefit. When we believe something it changes how we view the world. It changes it changes how we respond. It changes how we our, our entire orientation. And so that's what it means to believe. And we're going to teach you, you know, how to look at the world differently. And 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 I'm I'm right with you, because I'm, you know, after 40 years of this, I'm just getting started. And then last, all your strength. If everything we've done is just to make our lives better and make us more like Jesus, we've missed the point. Because the, the point is that Jesus was sent. He came down from heaven on a mission. And his mission was us. He said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And he sent his disciples out. Go ye into all the world. He said, "Teaching them all that I've commanded you, baptizing, making disciples, and so that's that's what we want to be equipped for: for service and worship and disciple making." Okay, okay, I'm late. We need to take we need to take communion here. Take a deep breath. We're trying to cram too much into one sermon. The Holy Spirit can sort it out. I'll tell you what, let me pray for this. Lord, we love this. We love your word. And we know that your word became flesh and hung on a cross. And that at that occasion, he gave us this wonderful sacrament in which that flesh could become bread and wine. That flesh and blood could become your nature. So as we partake today of your nature, Help us to become more like you. Come and wash our sins away. We don't want to live like that anymore. And help us to be life and hope to the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.